Assalamu alaikum. Guys, sorry for the delay in podcasts. I've just been basically enjoying riding my bike. And sometimes that's the most important thing, right? If you're not enjoying riding so much, you don't enjoy talking about riding. So anyway, that's out of the way. I'm refocused. And today we have on Tariq Razak from the North. Uh, basically, anything beyond the M25 is the North, as Londoners, of course. Uh, but specifically, he's from Bolton. He's an inspiring individual who went about creating his own events uh, company. Uh, and then later on, he combined it with his love for cycling. And now they put on fab events for cycling, um, which raise hundreds of thousands of pounds for charity um his company is called mc events and uh, it's unique in the sense that uh, it's a muslim-led organization uh, however it attracts um, a wide range of participants muslims and non uh, male female etc and that's quite unique and he goes into how he goes about and does that um, which is brilliant to hear and something we can all learn from um, also he talks about his uh, approach to the Pennine rally um, uh, an off-road race from Edinburgh uh, back down to Manchester uh, unfortunately it came to an abrupt end but we'll hear all about it over to you Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the GEPT podcast. I have Tariq with me from uh, all the way up north, founder of MC Events and uh, someone who partakes in various challenges, uh, not to mention the Pennine Rally recently uh, with Rafa. Uh, Tariq, how are you doing? Yeah, alhamdulillah, fine. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're you're from the basically the other side of the country from where I am. Um, cycling has boomed, uh, especially since COVID, here in East London and just London in general. Uh, what's it like up north where you are? Yeah, it's great actually. Probably very similar boom. So I used to live in Oxford previously uh, for about ten years, and I cycled around there. But then I moved back to Bolton where I was born, and then. And then in, in South Manchester, but yeah, really booming, I'd say loads of different communities cycling. And yeah, I think that there's just been a big boom in cycling and amongst the Muslim community as well. Lots of mosques have like created clubs and I'm on umpteen groups now where people are just constantly <laughs> on their bikes. It's, it seems like we spend more time on our bike than anything else at the moment. Alhamdulillah, great to hear. So um, just going back to your story then, how did you get into all of it? Uh, so when I was in Oxford, um, I had some friends at the university, so I was working there, and in 2008, uh, basically someone had an idea to cycle from Paris to Montpellier, um, so well, I, I kind well, of heard about it. How does, how do those, okay, fine, you hear Paris all, all the time, London to Paris is like, you know, um, a bucket yeah. list event, um, or, you know, uh, but where does Montpellier come into it? So I think the, the, the original trip was Paris to Barcelona. Uh, so that was the original trip. And once yeah. I started to look at the elevation involved, they <laughs> suddenly realized that um, to take um, seven to 10 people on a trip with very little cycling experience and fitness is probably not the right thing to do. And we've got the like just, just a few hills in the way, as you can imagine. Um, so they just diverted it and then went down south and then eventually just became Paris to Montpellier um, via Bordeaux and to Lyon. Um, so yeah, that was a trip. Um, I heard about it, um, and yeah, I've kind of always been interested in like challenging, pushing myself. 
and but at that point I didn't have a bike I hadn't been on a bike for 10 years um so I just inquired about the trip and then got onto the got onto it and then had to buy a bike didn't know I didn't even know where to get a bike from um and then yes yeah, so I just found a second-hand bike my first bike was a Trek bike uh it was recommended by my friend Imran who who was the ride leader because uh, he was a Trek fan and then that was it and then I had to and then I realized suddenly how expensive everything was I had to buy <laughs> shoes and a helmet and the rest of it and realized the accessories cost me more than the bike um and that was it and then got training I wasn't able to train as much as the guys at uni because they just didn't have a lot because they didn't have a lot to do and they could cycle all the time and I was working but yeah so that was my kind of first adventure is pretty much in the deep end um not coming from a cardiovascular background I've played a lot of cricket and stuff as a fast bowler but um very different kind of fitness to kind of more endurance riding which we obviously had to do there incredible incredible and uh, so from there you then uh, I guess incorporated cycling with uh, the events company or events uh, setup that you had which is MC Events, which you founded. Talk us uh, through that. How did you go about finding uh, MC Events? Yeah, so um, I used to lead a volunteer organisation in Oxford, um, and I, um, which is a grassroots organisation, which is a separate organisation to MC Events. And we organised a few events uh, for charity. So these are like on the ground events, so like a family fun day. And um, we just saw like... I just saw in one of the events just the amazing thing of bringing people together, seeing people smile, seeing it like a day of goodness and seeing people from all communities, Muslim and non-Muslim communities come together under one banner and, you know, just families enjoying themselves and bringing together the different mosques as well. It just kind of, when I was there watching it, it something dropped in my head uh, and then I kind of did another event in Oxford and then I moved back to Bolton and when I moved back, I thought, you know what, there are lots of organizations doing educational stuff and there. What I wanted to do was organ was, was create an organization that would um, organize events to bring communities together. That was so that's the mission and that's always been the mission. Um, and that was it. October 2014 went away, created it, spoke to a few people, create the organization. Um, and then that was the start. We pledged £75,000 to raise for the people of Rohingya. Um, we organised a lot of family events there, so these like on-the-ground events, and we had our um, big event at the Macron Stadium in Bolton, where we had oh, about wow. 20,000 people come. Um, so that was like the big event, uh, and that kind of, alhamdulillah, um, a lot of people's efforts, and ours, um, we managed to make that big success. We raised hundred and. £340,000 that year. What, what year um, was that? 2015, uh, that was in 2015. How, how do you go about attracting that many people, raising that kind of money? Um, yeah, it's, it, that's almost uh, pre-social media in the sense that there wasn't, say, uh, Instagram wasn't a huge boom. Um, no. Yeah, how, how do you go about doing something like that? Uh, I think just a lot of hard work, a lot of duas from people. Um, I think also just, um, you know, we try to run MC events like like a, like a corporate company in many ways. We try to have okay. plans. We try and think about how we want to do stuff. We, I mean, just just to answer that particularly, we 
printed like a thousand leaf uh, a thousand posters and distribute them across Bolton and 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 surrounding cities we spent a considerable amount on like Facebook promotion we put lampos posters throughout the whole of Bolton um, we went on to radios and TVs so ultimately however we want was that we live in the world we do and marketing is a big part of what we need to do to push that we had like huge banners put all around the city center and the surrounding cities and towns and yeah just somehow that, that all came together and we had a huge event and it was our first event as well um so to be able to um do something like that and was immensely satisfying but the biggest thing for me was when we opened the event uh, at 11 o'clock just to see people from different communities come together um, and one of my, I remember one thing very vividly on, in Rochdale in 2016, we did an open air event at Springfield Park and an old white lady came to me and pulled me off the stage and said, I want to speak to you. And obviously I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> and she said, you know what, this is such an amazing event. I'd like you to do this every year for me. And that's just, a, that's just something that, always, that I always sort of remember. And also just the smiles of the children. And I always say to the team that it doesn't matter as long as we put 100% in, whether you raise a pound or uh, £50,000, it doesn't matter as long as we put it in. But the currency on that day is 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 the smiles of the people and the enjoyment that we can bring to bring people from different communities. It's not just targeted at, at Muslims, it's targeted at everyone. Our promotion is targeted at every community and we want to bring everyone together under one banner loads of organizations Tarek say you know we're open to all um we don't discriminate uh but you often find that they only attract one type of people however mm. looking at your events you attract everyone li- quite literally everyone how, how does how can other organizations not just in cycling but anywhere really learn from uh mc events and uh what you guys do i think for me it has to be at the core of 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 having certain well having a mission having having certain values as well um and for me the key thing is is we want to target people i mean ultimately if you only target a certain um demographic of society then then they're only going to know um we were on mainstream radio um in bold and Rochdale on the BBC as well. Um, our targeting were schools right across uh, the different parts of the town and cities that we're in and really targeting. Obviously, um, there was a large number of, obviously, some Muslim people who came, but also it, it was very widespread um, and different people. And I, so I think for me, it's about um, putting that at the core of one of the aims of the event and seeing that as a like a, like a success criteria as well, just to see, I mean, not that we have to have, that we're going to count every person that comes in, but just as a general, we can see how many people came. And it seems to be like the Muslims like to come a bit in the afternoon. So you could see like in the morning where uh, there's a much wider spectrum of people to come. Um, and to me, that it, it, it was great. Uh, we've done other events like the Superhero Sub Bonanza, where we dressed up as like superheroes in like in like a shopping centre. We did this in Slough, uh, we did this in Bolton, we've done this in a few other cities as well. And that completely breaks down barriers. I mean, um, I was dressed up as Superman and 
people would come and take pictures with me. Um, you can't see me, but I have a beard, and people would come and 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 want to take a picture. And these were people from different communities as well. And for me, I always thought, well, isn't that such an amazing thing that a Superman with a beard, and we've got an English child um, who's taking a picture, sending it to their grandparents and stuff. And ultimately, for me that there is no difference between each of us each of us are still human beings and we should be able to enjoy each other's company incredible incredible Derek so you went from uh these earlier events to then cycling events um talk us through that yeah so um we did quite a lot of on the ground events and those take up a lot of resources as well and um I was a keen cyclist and and kind of after, after Oxford I didn't cycle that much uh, just because of other stuff but then I always wanted to do like the London to Paris ride and so my one of my friends Shazad from Oxford and his friend Khalid who he said well let's go I didn't have a lot of time that year to get people involved so it was just the two cyclists a sport car and my friend's daughters came along as well to support him in the car um, and we just did the route and that was the first time we did it we raised some money um and it was a great experience and it was almost a bit like doing a recce ride if you know what i mean um but we obviously raised money as well and we did the and we did the ride um and then we just launched it again the next year so we did other events as well on the ground but then we put that as a main event in our kind of calendar and then the next year we had about 11 people come and then obviously each year you learn and we did it again we had 25 then close to 40 people in the final year of the London to Paris. And each year we improved it. We looked to optimise, we looked to make it a better experience, add more value for the people, make it a slicker experience, make sure people enjoyed it more. And and that's one of the things which I always ask myself and the team is that I can't just do like a repeat of the event. Uh, and then since then, cycling has become from a, like a return on investment, you could say it, uh, a, a very good event to raise money for charity one of the principles at mc events is that we cover the costs of our own events uh, and so we don't take any of the charitable donations so if for example you would ride uh, on the charity ride all of the money you raise is between you and the charity it doesn't come by us it's just a fundraising page between you and the charity and we cover our costs by a registration fee and business sponsors um um, so we kind of like that approach as well. feel it's a bit more of a cleaner way to deal with finances um, and people know when they're fundraising and when they're donating towards a charity, all the money's going towards that charitable cause and not a percentage isn't going to cover someone's um, cycling trip. Um, and then last year, um, COVID happened and we had to relook our our approach to events as well and stuff. And so one of the things we decided was to continue the cycling events going forward. So that's part of our kind of next five years. And so that's going to be like a cornerstone of like one of the events that we do as well as a big event. And last year we did the tour of Wales, which was um, quite a challenging route. It's a lot harder than London to Paris. Um, and that was from Cardiff to Bangor. So, yeah. And again, in those rides, we have people from, Cross communities, men and women on the ride, um, and we're and it's a quite a diverse group, um, and it makes the journey as well. That's incredible. Um, you keep talking about charity. Why yeah. is that important? Like, obviously, in Islam, we are uh, told to give charity, but this is usually a uh, personal thing. But you've created 
uh, a whole organization surrounding it. Why, why is this important to you? Um, I think Alhamdulillah, Allah's blessed us with many things in life. And quite frankly, we live quite very easy lives. And MC events as a way to try and give something back, um, but also give it back in a way where I feel where it's run in a professional way, where we can raise money, where we can look at charities and and kind of vet them as well and go through the process to understand their donation policies and all these things. So when the donor asks or then they can give with confidence. And I think for me, charity is a big part of our faith, as you've already mentioned. And what we wanted to be was be a vehicle for inspiration for the community, to inspire people, to raise money for those people who are less fortunate. Um, we've done some field trips as well. We went to Austria and we called it uh, the refugee mission where we raised money, went along with the charity and we actually cooked and fed the refugees in Austria during the during the refugee crisis a few, a few years ago in Europe. Um, but to see those things with your own eyes um, will impact your life forever. Um, and I think for, for me personally, um, helping other people is something that the Prophet Zayasim taught us. Um, and one of the principles or one of the principal hadiths that we um, kind of found the organization on is that uh, the Prophet mentioned that the, like, the best of you is the one who provides most benefit to the rest of mankind and whether it's a Muslim or a non-Muslim, whatever, whoever it is, whichever part of the world it's in, we want to help people. And I think what we're able to do is to inspire people by the quality of the events that we put together. People want to come to our events, want to partake in our events. And on the cycling front, we've had people come year in, year out because they enjoy the experience. Um, our aim on the cycle ride is to break even um so we don't have any we don't make a profit from these events um but ultimately it becomes a vehicle to raise huge amounts of money uh, so last year for the tour of wales we raised one hundred and fifty-six thousand pounds which to me is a phenomenal effort for 24 cyclists to do but it was wasn't just cyclists there were other people who were inspired to join us who weren't cyclists but wanted to fundraise for our courses uh, and so for me it's about um, helping others that need help, um, asking on their behalf, but also inspiring others that you know that you can do something to help others, and also to take a more uh, selfless approach to life. That, that's incredible. That's incredible, mashallah. So, what, what you mentioned uh, an event coming up? What have you got coming up? Yeah, so um, we looked around after the after the success of the Tour of Wales. We obviously. Everyone gets very excited about the next one and people banging on our door saying, oh, what's next? Um, so we wanted to do, we actually wanted to do it like an event in Europe, uh, but because of all the COVID restrictions again, and we'd obviously when we started planning, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so we decided actually one, one, one area that we really wanted to go to was Scotland. Uh, and we looked at routes. Again, the kind of cyclists that we attract um, isn't necessarily your... Um, seasoned cyclists necessarily, although yeah. we do have some seasoned cyclists, is very much open to everyone. Um, and we have some people who are new to cycling. Um, so this year we're doing what's called the Northeast 250 route, which is different to the North Coast 500 that some people are probably more aware of. But the Northeast 250 starts in Aberdeen. It's a circular that goes towards the coast, um, if, you, if you think about it anticlockwise, oh, yeah. and then cuts through the Cake Norms uh, it's a National Park. 
uh, arrived back in Stonehaven and back into Aberdeen. So that's approximately 250 miles over four days, um, about 15,000 feet of climbing. So a reasonable challenge. Um, we, we had to do most of it in three days uh, just because of accommodation and timings of when people want to get back. So the, the final day is about 20 miles. So actually most of it's done in the first three days with the third day being the most challenging day and probably the most so rewarding in terms of views and scenery. So we did the recce of the ride a few months ago and it was beautiful. What was the weather like back then? The weather was great then. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was actually very good. It was very warm that there was no oh. rain, but obviously being in Scotland, a bit like Wales, um, you always have to carry a rain jacket. So that's our advice to the cyclists as well. Make sure you have a good waterproof. Absolutely. And uh, what, what causes are you raising for this time? Yeah, so... It is interesting. So we used to historically like work with like one charity and one cause, uh, and that worked as well. It galvanizes people towards one thing. Um, but then we kind of thought, actually, do you know what? We try to bring communities together. Different people have got different causes that um, are close to their hearts. So what we decided to do last year was to offer like five charities and then cyclists can choose whichever one they want. And we've done that again this year. So this year we're raising for um, Alzheimer's Society, we're fundraising for um, Ideals, who are uh, a charity that uh, deal with kind of war-torn uh, countries. Uh, we've got Medical Aid for Palestinians, who we fundraised for several years. And uh, we've got Mind, who we fundraised for before as well. And finally, we're fundraising for the Macmillan Cancer Support as well. So them are the five charities that we're fundraising for this year. No, I like that, Mashallah. I like the fact that you've got a spread. And as you mentioned, that attracts different people and uh, more people as well um, and it's incredible yeah. um, how, how do you go about setting up that with the different charities then or is it just like right we're, we're raising for you and uh, that's that yes yeah so um, with charities that we've probably got uh, a relationship with or we've, we'll engage with them a bit more um, for some of the other charities and we'll just let them know that we're fundraising for them um, and, and it really depends on how much how many people are there um, but like, for example, Medical Aid for Palestinians, Ideals, two charity, well, the Medical Aid we work with for about a, a few years. So we, we know them, we know the people, so we can engage with them and we can get a bit more support from them as well. Um, Ideals is not a spin-off of Medical Aid, but a number of people who work there uh, volunteer for Ideals who are, who are a volunteer charity. And so I've been able to um, speak with them. Some of the other charities, as I said, we've just informed them um, that we're fundraising for them. Again, we we go and do a lot, all the hard work of finding out where the fundraising links are and how to create the pages, etc. And then we give documentation to the cyclists so it's easy for them to create their fundraising pages. Oh, that's that's nice. So uh, with uh, these different charities, is there like um, I know with uh, the Palestinian one, do you go out and see the work that they do? Yeah. So um, when we work with one charity. Um, we we would often do that or we would aim to do that so as I mentioned with we fundraised one for Muslim Hands who we went to, to oversee their project in um, uh, in Austria and also I travelled to Pakistan as well to see some of that work um, with medical aid we were supposed to go uh, to Palestine uh, but just because of COVID we didn't and with Ideals they are fundraising to run a mobile health clinic in South uh, Lebanon uh, which kind of serves the Syrian and Palestinian refugees. So I do have a plan to go out there 
this year um, all being well so I can see the work that we're doing and that's a charity I'm actually fundraising for personally as well nice and so um i've been following or you could say stalking you and strava and various other <laughs> platforms for many years like you've done various adventures uh including riding out in palestine i've seen uh, which uh which ride resonates with you the most or which ride is the most memorable um I, I, i'm gonna say th- three rides if that's okay and I'll just no no that's right up, it doesn't have to be related to mc events but yeah go on um i think for me first ride is the um the paris to montpellier um it was obviously my first ride when i actually did it i didn't enjoy it that much because i was just like chasing a wheel of someone yeah we're doing yeah. huge miles a day and obviously cardiovascularly i probably wasn't as fit um as i should have been so it's quite hard work although interestingly in the second week i became very fit because cycling for almost two weeks you get a lot fitter as you keep cycling um so that but that was a very memorable experience because that was where my cycling journey started um and and i decided to take it on as a sport then um i had to tore my cruciate ligament in my left knee playing football um and then i had to make a choice as to what i wanted to do and then i decided actually i only played football for fun um, so I decided to give up a number of sports uh, so I can cycle and then I enjoy the kind of technology side of cycling and stuff so yeah I would say that that was the first ride that was that I really enjoyed um, the second one was the trip to Palestine so uh, I've been fortunate enough and allowed to go to uh, Palestine on about 10 occasions now sure. uh, normally going Ramadan um, to uh, to go to uh Aqsa and do etikaf there so and kind of help as a volunteer there as well um but um, medical aid for palestinians do a ride and a trek uh, through palestine and one of my friends shamik who's a doctor um him and his father had been on the first trip and he always recommended to me to go so um i put, just put my name forward and i went um, I think in 2017, I think, or 2018. Um, so I went to Palestine. Um, so yeah, it was an amazing trip. Um, obviously, very different uh, kind of riding. Um, a very diverse group um, there. Um, and not not huge amounts of miles every day, but often very, very hilly. And and with huge, very, very hot and humid. Um, so that was a big challenge, most of it. But it wasn't just a cycle ride, as you can imagine. We went to visit people, we went to hear the stories, um, and it was a very touching experience. And just to cycle through Palestine to experience a little bit what the Palestinians have to go through with um, police coming to stop us and and tell us not to go into Palestinian areas because it's dangerous for us. But when we crossed over, they gave us the Palestinians gave us tea and biscuits. So it's just um, and then things like where. They'd come the day before and dug up the road just to cause inconvenience to the Palestinians and, and us. So it was a very insightful experience. And the interesting thing was the the dominant that the group was mainly made up of kind of white English people. And a lot of those are my very good friends, but it was very eye-opening for them as well to see exactly what was happening on the ground. You couldn't hide from it, if that makes sense. So. Wow. Um, and then obviously cycling to Jerusalem and finishing there was amazing. And then obviously putting my bike away and then heading to Mashalaksa was 
obviously uh, a great way to finish finish off the journey. Yeah, that's mental. That's mental. And I was just going to ask about the checkpoints and whatnot, but you've you've answered that. Um, what was the most iconic iconic point of that journey, or what, what part? What oppression did you see that was like heartbreaking? Mm, I think um, when you go to like. Uh, uh, I think the hardest place to go in Palestine is when you go to Khalil or Hebron um, and you just see in a Palestinian uh, in a Palestinian um, town, it's not actually Palestinian at all. Uh, we've just got Israeli forces everywhere, lockdown, and you can just, it's a very dark place to visit uh, and it's a very difficult place to visit as well. And that's always been for me when I was on that trip as well. I felt it was just a really hard place to move, um, and and obviously there's a lot of um, difficulties for the local Palestinians. But you you felt some of that when you were there walking because I'm a Muslim, um, they didn't care. Um, but for a settler or for somebody else who wasn't a Muslim, then there were different rules, so you could feel like different rules for different people. Um, and even with someone like myself, who's from the UK with a British passport, it didn't make a difference in a place like that for for some people. And I still have a, like, you know, you still have in your heart that you will eventually ride to Jerusalem in some way, shape or form. But, uh, you know, uh, when you when people talk about things like this, it kind of kind of puts you off, but it also triggers you to go and do it for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean... I mean, I think it's a double-edged sword. I mean, outside yeah. of the cycle, just traveling there, yeah, I think it's easy to be put off. Um, but then some of our teachers said we we might get harassed at the airport for a few hours, kept waiting and stuff. But the Palestinians get harassed every hour of every day. Yeah. Um, and so for there, they've got a struggle all the time. But actually, it's quite easy with a British passport to waltz in and out and really have no issues. Okay, on to another topic in that case. Uh, so, as I mentioned, I've been following you for quite a while. Um, you're an RCC member. Uh, I take it you're a huge fan of the brand. What draws you to them and what, what made you join the, the team? Um, when I moved to South Manchester, I was looking to kind of up my game on the cycling. So I'd say I was probably a more recreational cyclist at the London to Paris every year. Um, but I didn't have, but that was about it. And I thought, you know what, I probably need to find a group of people that I can cycle with. I'd heard, I'd kind of heard of Rafa, obviously, uh, as a premium kind of brand. I thought, yeah, I'm not going to join them. Uh, but I just went into the clubhouse one day. I thought, oh, let me just have a seat. Let me have a look at what it's all about. And just met a few people. They're very welcoming. Um, and that was it. And then I thought, you know what, why don't I sign up? It'll get me involved with the club and I'll get to ride with people. And yeah, it was great. Um, I've been a member for about three or four years now. Um, it's something I value a lot. Um, the people, the, the, the clubhouse in Manchester is great. I made a lot of good friends. They obviously organize a lot of challenges. They've got rides, three, four rides a week. Um, so it's up to you what, what you can and what you can't make. And they also have, as I said, other challenges, which I probably like to take part in a lot. And then sometimes the clubhouse organized trips. Like I went to Mallorca with them. Um, so I've never done any kind of alpine kind of climbing. Um, so that was great. And then I did the Etap de Tour one year with them as well. Uh, so they were organizing. So they were sponsors one year. 
Um, so I think they just create opportunities and go to the Lake District every year for some winter training. So it's just the ability to meet like-minded people who enjoy riding. Um, and a lot of them are uh, very good cyclists. You get to learn from them. They obviously push you as well uh, to climb the hills and get faster on the flats. Um, and I think that's probably some of the main things um, that I like about the club. We've also got nice clothing as well and they kind of valued that over the years. Um, stuff I've had now for three, four, five years and still going, not broken uh, and just excellent customer service as well. Um, so I think that's kind of what sums up Zarafa for me, very inclusive in many ways um, and and kind of great opportunities if you want to push on your cycling. Uh, so they offer benefits beyond just the, you know, the club itself. Uh, if listeners are listening, what, what what can they expect if they were to join? Uh, so, yeah, so the membership has changed over the years and the membership's dropped uh, a little bit now. So the barrier to entry is less. I think the key things are um, you you get an app on your phone, which you can sign into and see what rides are available wherever you are. So you could be going to London or somewhere and you'll see rides there. You can join those rides with no issues. To be honest, even if you're not a member, you can rock up to the clubhouse and just see when the next ride is. And there are some rides which are open to everyone. Um, so that's there. There are discounts on various different products like Wahoo and a few other products. There are perks. You get like half price coffee as well. So that's just a perk if you live near the clubhouse. But um, and then you just get invited to a lot of things. Um, you get early access to lots of products. And now as an RCC member, the RCC kit's counted as well compared to just the standard kit as well. Um, so I think there's quite a lot of benefits. I mean, that you can go to their website and see others, but those are some of the stuff I value uh, probably the most. And I think it's more being like the challenges. So for example, like you mentioned earlier, like the Rafa Pennine rally. Now, yeah, it was open up to everyone, but I knew when it was coming, I knew the people involved. Um, so it was quite easy um, to hear about it and then obviously went in the ballot like everybody else and managed to get a space. Uh, so with um, turning up to an RCC event, you wear baggies. Um, don't you feel odd doing so? Like a premium brand, perhaps veterans in the sport and you turn up with, you're, first of all, you're brown in itself. You've got a beard uh, and you turn up with baggies as well. Um uh, how does that feel when you go and do that? Um, it doesn't really bother me that much, really. Um, okay. I kind of know, for for example, everyone's got boundaries as to what they want to show and what they don't, if that makes sense, and Absolutely. degree of some modesty. And for me, I've got my own boundaries. Um, obviously, people have commented just jokingly, saying, well, that's not very aerodynamic, is it? <laughs> Uh, and then some people have thought oh, I don't wear boob shorts as well so obviously it's an education process as well and I think part of these things are there obviously for me I probably valued the fact that actually I mean I did consider making my own three-quarter length shorts which are more specific to cycling because a lot of the baggies are quite baggy and not very great um, but yeah I mean I ended up just buying Rafa trousers and making them into three-quarters which work well so they've got nice touches um, it's obviously cut in the right way um, and they serve the purpose as well so yeah I mean no not really it doesn't bother me at all um, I enjoy my cycling and, uh, and enjoy people's company and probably likewise for the other team uh, for the club members as well absolutely so on to the Penan Rally um, 
it was that your first ultra distance race or had you signed up to others previously um so i come from more of a road ride like a road background so everything i've done pretty much has been on road um i've obviously done like the paris to montpellier which is obviously different but um so that was kind of probably my first if you want to say ultra endurance anything um uh the only other thing i've done a few years ago one of my friends shy he's a good friend of mine um i normally make him spend money but he made me buy a, the tail fin rack which you may have heard of yes um and we'll go into uh, the tech in a bit but yeah go on. yeah so um uh, and then we decided to get that and then go to recycle from manchester to bangor over two days so that was kind of my first experience of like carrying my own stuff there um just before i did the pennine rally i cycled from manchester to high wickham i did take a couple of trains just because to make sure i got to places on time but um pretty much did that um but yeah this was like my first i would say off-road experience as well i've never done anything like that before uh, i very much kept to the roads um so it was a i wanted to do it the year before but i didn't have the right bike um and then i sold one of my bikes and put an order for a, a gravel bike and that took a year almost to come and then i got that and then the penan rally uh came about and then i joined it uh so talk us through the event so it starts in edinburgh if i'm not mistaken and ends in manchester yeah, so it's Edinburgh to Manchester. It goes pretty much through the spine of the UK. Um, at the end of day two, like you go, you, you pass Hadrian's Wall. Um, it's probably about 60-40 split between road and off-road, roughly. Um, and you're, it's a self-supported ride. You have to carry all your stuff yourself. Um, so I decided to camp all the way because I thought it would give me the most flexibility. Um and yeah, and so you had 500 kilometers to do over five days. Um, so the aim was obviously just to do in and around 100 kilometers a day. So uh, unfortunately, you crashed out. How far did you get into it? I was towards the end of day one. Um, so I climbed, well, I pushed my bike. So one of the things that people should be aware of with the Penang Rally is that um, it's not just riding your bike. There's a lot of kind of non-riding time as well. And again, these are things that you learn. So I had to push my bike up for about 45 minutes because the terrain was very steep and very rocky. And when we're talking about rocks, like real rocks, um, not just little gravel. Yeah. Um, so it's very difficult. Um, so by the time I got to the top of that, I had a bit of a break. And then I came down the other side. Um, as you can imagine, the steep was up. It was a steep down and, and as rocky. And I there was quite a sharp corner which unfortunately I didn't make. Uh, so I uh, did crash out. Um, I don't remember the crash itself. Um, I remember oh, coming down. Don't tell me you hit your head. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, wow. um, when I got up, um, I couldn't feel my left shoulder. couldn't feel my right knee. Wow. Um, I'd cut my face as well and it ripped the side of my left arm as well away. And then when I looked at my helmet, um, it was cracked as well. Um, but... Uh, so I, I called the mountain rescue uh, and then about six or seven cyclists came down and they and then they looked after me um they put like four blankets around me in my sleeping bag one lady made me a cup of tea and they looked after me and worked with mountain rescue they came after about 50 minutes or so uh and in their jeeps then took me to the bottom of the mountain the ambulance was waiting for me and then in the ambulance and then to hospital 
I was x-rayed, thankfully no broken bones. Uh, and it didn't see, feel the need to do a CT scan because I was, I was, I was talking fine. I was, I was remembering everything except maybe 10 or 15 seconds. Um, so I was kept overnight for precaution. And then next day I had two very um, good friends. My friends Rizwan and Shahid uh, picked me up from, uh, from Scotland, brought me to Leeds. And then my Shahid brought me from Leeds back to Bolton to my parents. So yeah, it was a bit of a journey. Obviously, I wasn't expecting to um, crash out, uh, but yeah, it, such is life as a, a learning experience. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Like, uh, wow, that's that's quite the journey from starting and then ended up where you did. But how's the recovery going? It's okay. So most of the cuts and nicks and grazes are healing up. Um, main issue is my left shoulder. Um, so I've actually got my charity ride in the. 18th of August so um just we're just seeing whether I can be fit for that or not obviously I'm not going to push 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 past what I, I can do but we'll see but yeah the main issue is just the left shoulder there's likelihood that they've got a partial rot- rotator cuff tear I've got an MRI this Sunday to find out uh what the extent of the damage is and then work on that but I've been working with a physio uh just to try and um accelerate the recovery and trying various things just to make sure I can keep on top of things. Are you going again next year? Yeah, inshallah. Uh, I'll to the Pan Rally. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Um, there, there, there's a few other things I may want to do next year. Yeah. Um, so I've always, one of my dreams is to cycle to Jerusalem from the UK. And so I'd like to do that. I don't know if I'll do that next year, but sure. yeah, I've got some big ideas uh, now. I've, Bought a lot of kit as well, so I'm about to use it now. Keep me posted on that one. Um, yeah, yeah or something. Uh, so, in terms of um, future events, then that's uh, your first ultra. Is that is that something you look to get yourself involved in? Perhaps road mostly, or was yeah. it just something you're 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 trying out? No, yeah, I would I would like to. I think obviously. Um, I've just fallen off off yeah, off yeah. road, and I've, and it's the first time I've been off road. So obviously, there's a bit of a scar there, but um, I think I would like to maybe do it again. Uh, but I would like to probably stick to the road um, to do maybe some more ultra stuff. Um, it's, it's what I enjoy. It's, it's what I know. It's, it's, that's kind of my backyard. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I would like to do some more ultra endurance stuff uh, just to see um, how far I can push myself as well and it is definitely something I'm seeing more and more people are getting interested in Absolutely. Um, but also just journeying as well I think for me it's not just the the events but for example like the what like the trip I mentioned just being able to I think where the bike gives me it, it gives me that sense of travel as well it also and when you travel you get to see things that you maybe not don't see in a car or don't see on a plane or don't see anywhere else and get to meet people so for me i think it's i'd like to probably get back to journeying as well on the bike and go to see places and and travel uh, and use a bike as a vehicle and now with a lot of the kit that you can carry yourself actually just take that kind of ultra endurance approach to it rather than having to rely on a support vehicle uh, talking of kit zahir shared uh, a picture of your bike which was absolutely stunning. Um, for the record, uh, w- was the bike damaged in the crash? Um, 
I don't know. So there was no like visual things okay. on there. Um, the shifters got a knock, as you could imagine. Uh, I was using um, quite flared handlebars. Um, so I was concerned because those are carbon. Um, but the response, to be honest, of the some of the companies that I've worked with since then has been phenomenal. So, um, and this isn't to like and give anyone a plug, but I had MV bars and an MV stem. I contacted MV to say I had the crash, and they said we'll send you a replacement. Oh, um, even though, and that's just because they've got like an incident protection scheme. They said, look, the handlebar should be fine, but if you don't feel comfortable, we'll send you a new one out. Which I said, yeah. I said at the end of it, as you know, carbon's carbon. Uh, if it takes a blow, then you don't know what's happened to it afterwards. You don't know when it will fail. Um, and yeah, just this, just like the level of service has just been phenomenal. Um, it's really blown me away. Um, I don't have insurance. Um, it's my own reason for not taking out any kind of insurance. But um, companies have got your back as well. So yeah, I got a new got a new gravel bar a couple of days ago to just put on just before the pod. Um, I'm just waiting for a stem, which is out of stock at the moment, but as soon as they get it, they'll ship it out to me. Same with the helmet, Casca being great. They gave me 50% off and Rafa gave me quite a lot of funds towards some new clothing. So the response has been amazing. That's nice. Uh, your your bike is very unique as well. Uh, talk, talk us through your build. Yeah, so I wanted a bike that, genuinely i could have for like the rest of my life um it wasn't just a saying i wanted something that would last i'd been ridden i'd been riding on aluminium and most probably the last five six years on carbon bikes um and i thought you know what i'd like something different and a bit more durable um when there's a crash or something um or just to be able to do longer distances so i bought a uh i bought a curve uh frame so curves an australian brand and they make a titanium um frame called the gxr awesome also known as the kevin um so it it's a it's a titanium frame with a carbon fork carbon fork basically you can put in bottom like uh, like cages on either side to carry stuff uh which i had so i had i had um two tail fin bags on the front forks um as I mentioned, I've got like MV finishing kit, handlebar stem, um, uh, and seat post. And then I had some custom wheels, 650B wheels made with a dynamo at the front from DCR wheels. Um, so that so that was to power my journey and also allow me to put um add some Rennie Hurst tires on there. So 2.2 inch 650Bs. Um, so that was kind of the bike. Uh, I used the Garmin 1040 Solar. Uh, for my navigation um, and then bag wise I had a tail fin rack at the back which I think I mentioned earlier some I got quite a long time ago um, and then I had a Rafa f- uh, frame bag um, and then uh, a bar bag on the front as well uh, and I think there was a top tube bag from Restrap so them are the things that I remember <laughs> well there's that was quite the setup as well. What, what um, group set were you running? I was running Shram Force. So up, up front I had, yeah, yeah. So up front I had Shram Force shifters. Um, I had an Ingrid Ingrid crank set, so forty-two teeth, um, single speed. Uh, sorry, single crank uh, chain, and then on the back I had an Eagle setups. So had a ten fifty cassette on the back, wow. um, with an Eagle derailleur. So it was like. Road up front, 
Martin bike setup at the back. So with the Ingrid uh, crankshaft, what's different to the uh, thing, Forsman? Oh, okay. It, it was unique, it was actually yeah. it was actually very interesting because I I messaged Ingrid and they were very honest and that's what I like sometimes about uh, some companies and they just say I said oh what's the difference between Ingrid crankset and a SRAM crankset and they said um, functionally that, that there isn't a difference um, and which I really appreciate the honesty but yeah it was just it just looks a bit nicer. It looks a bit different to just a standard crank, but probably functionally, probably no different, but just looks nice. Nice. And uh, like I said, your bike is very unique. I don't think I've anything, I've seen anything like it. So it came out quite nice and it's probably a good shout going for that. Um, so uh, Tarek, we've, we often put out questions uh, and open it up to our listeners to ask questions rather. And we've got a few. So Usman, who done a few ultras himself he asked what's the next big event and i guess in many ways you've answered that you've got the 250 coming up you've got potentially uh london to jerusalem or uk to jerusalem uh, that you're planning on uh, but any ultras are you are you looking to do any uh formal events beyond your um, own charity work yes yeah, so the only other one so i was supposed to do the etap de tour this year um but because it fell during eid it didn't so I've still got a little um, um, bone to pick with that ride. So yeah, yeah. I'd like to maybe do that next year just to tick it off my list. Uh, so, yeah, so that's probably one. Obviously, that's a single day event ride. But I think with the setup I've got now, I've got the ability to kind of go out, maybe not necessarily take part in an event as such, but yeah. maybe just do more exploring across the country. Right, so Farouk asks, uh, did you train, oh, how did you train for the Pennine Rally? Uh, did it include lots of gravel? And did you do any overnight stops, uh, perhaps using your uh, camping gear? Okay, yeah, so, yeah, so it's a good question. So, and it's probably one of the things I'd, I'd probably recommend to do and not and not what I did. So I would say for the, so the Pennine Rally for me um, was something I wanted to do but um, because I was doing the attack this year it was something I decided not to do initially until I realized I couldn't do the attack so I, I realized I was going to do the Penan rally quite late um, at that point I didn't have any kit or nothing except the tailfin for example and the bike um, so I think maybe one of the learnings I had so to answer the question I did a bit of gravel riding but probably not enough I didn't do any big days out on the gravel and that's probably something I'd probably recommend people do. Um, and also be, being off-road is, is hugely different to being on-road, both in terms of physical um, effort that's involved. But for me, I mean, I'm not a great so descender period, but so descending off-road is a very different skill set. And probably in hindsight, I would have um, done more or maybe done like a mountain bike course or just something just to learn some more skills. Um, the overnight stay, I didn't do all that I did plan to do. There's one out of Manchester um, call out of Manchester, which is an overnight stay somewhere, but I didn't. But I was more comfortable with that because um, I've, I do a lot of camping myself um, off the bike. Um, so I was more comfortable. But yeah, I definitely recommend off-road riding and, and getting some practice in and doing more gravel riding than I did because I think that was probably one thing when I sort of reflected on um if I was to do it again, that's something I do. Um, and yeah, and doing probably a two-day event or something just to see how it feels would also be probably something useful. But yeah, it, it wasn't something I did, I think, in the last few weeks. I 
um, managed to get my wheels um, and then I did a bit of gravel riding in the Peak District. Okay. Uh, and then final question is from Shebi Mahmoud. You might know him. He's, he's from up north. Yeah. Um, he, he asked, did you run tubeless? <laughs> yeah, so he's got... Yeah, so gravel riding, big tyres generally run tubeless and probably recommendation. Uh, I've been running tubeless on road um, for about three, four years and generally it's good. Uh, on the gravel, it's probably the done thing. So yeah, I did run tubeless on there. I know he's had a number of issues with his road wheels and bombing out um, as, as as we probably all know um, I'm kind of come to the conclusion that tubeless is great uh, I think when tubeless works is great it's when it goes wrong it's a nightmare um, and I, and although I've been running them on the road for about three four years when it has gone wrong it's gone wrong and I think possibly on the road, there's still work to be done in terms of the quality of the sealant and stuff. I know Silka came out with some new stuff, but I do think the road needs more thought before people switch across to tubeless because I think sometimes um, it might just be just simpler just to keep with the tube sometimes. I mean, both my wheel sets on my road are tubeless, um, but um, I have considered recently because I had, I had a few issues in the last year with tubeless where I had to swap out whole tires whether it was worth the effort but so far i'm still sticking to tubes but definitely gravel bike um i'm on tubeless and the rennie Hurst tires are amazing i think that's one of the things i've enjoyed about moving to i would say a gravel bike or a all road bike is on a road bike you end up sticking to like your 28 mil tires and there's all the tires are pretty much the same Whereas in a gravel bike, there's, there's so much so variety depending on what you want to do. So it's been an adventure for me to try very supple tyres and and so less supple tyres as well, just to see the difference. Yeah, and that's uh, even more money to spend as well, Tyreek. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, it's becoming a money pit. But uh, Tyreek, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's been super insightful. All the different projects you're doing, uh, it's actually very inspirational as well, mashallah. Um May you keep doing it for a very long time, inshallah. And uh, sure. and I will continue to stalk you. And I'm sure now the listeners will as well, inshallah. Uh, where's the best place to find out about what's going on with MC Events and yourself? Uh, yeah, so MC Events, uh, if on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that we're on MC Events UK. So MC Events UK. Uh, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is Tarek. So Razak. T-A-R-I-Q R-A-Z-Z-A-Q um, So yeah, feel free to fo- follow the adventure We're going to be posting a lot more About any 250 ride And again, if people are interested in uh, Joining the rides, then feel free um, Obviously once this ride's over Then we'll be planning the next ride Again, it's open to men, women People from different faiths And, and so no faith And ultimately our aim is to bring people together um, And I think um, it'd be great to see More people join us from across the country Tariq, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank you.